Hey guys, it's Holly Danger, and you are listening to episode three of Danger Radio. I'm very excited about this episode because I have my first guest with us. Um, my good friend Liz Squilacci chatted with me last week. And, you know, when I first started this podcast, it was to document my journey transitioning from working for other people for the last 20 years into working for myself as a full-time artist and being a solopreneur. And so I wanted this podcast to document that journey and to talk about what it's like to be a full-time artist in 2020. And um, well, I started this before this global pandemic started. The first two episodes were recorded at the Danger Gallery, my immersive gallery space in Stamford, Connecticut. And now I'm set up in my living room. And you might hear in the background, I've got wind chimes that are blowing in the wind and neighbors upstairs that are clomping around above my head. <laughs> so it's not an ideal situation, but this is real life. And, uh, and here we are all in this strange new world that we, we are living in. I want to take this opportunity to use podcasting as a way to keep in touch with all my friends and see how they're doing through this pandemic, how they're handling it, how they're staying creative and motivated, and you know what's the role of the artist to play during this time. Just kind of keep in touch with everybody and help each other through. Because we all need that right now in huge doses. I know I do. I feel like every other day I have a surge of productivity and inspiration, and then followed by a really low, low day where the entire day flies by and nothing gets done. And I'm just like looking outside and wondering how it's night all of a sudden. I don't know if you guys are having days like that, but um, it's also equally proportionate to the amount of news that I watch. So I'm trying to create more instead of watching TV and watching the news and hearing how horrible it is outside our door. I've also only been outside my house twice in the last month, which is insane. But I'm feeling good. I'm healthy. I'm creating. I have a few lingering freelance projects that I'm working on right now. But it's crazy when all of this hit, my business took a huge hit. All of my art installations and projection work are meant for events, galas, galleries, gatherings of, of people of all kinds, and you know the live interaction and music and performance. And since all of that stopped, all of the calls for this type of work stopped, and even the calls for my motion graphic and video editing projects stopped. So I'm in kind of a weird place. I've spent the week and the last couple of weeks reading about relief loans and pandemic unemployment and... God, it's like all really overwhelming, but I'm doing it. I'm applying for things. I'm a small business. I'm an LLC. I don't know if I'm going to get anything, but I have been doing my diligence and learning about them and applying to whatever I possibly can. All right. I think it's time for me to stop rambling and transition into my call with Liz. I'm super excited to say that I spoke to amazing painter, screen printer, mural artist, just wonderful human being overall, my good friend Liz Squilacci. So I'll share a quick bio for you guys. Um, Liz lives and works in Bridgeport, Connecticut. She has a BFA from the Rhode Island School of Design. She participated in the copyist program at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. She is a City Canvas grant recipient for a large-scale mural at the Bridgeport train station and a regional initiative grant recipient for the painted stairway of the Broadway street steps. Liz is also the owner of Paradox Inc. Screen Printing and Murals and has a studio storefront located at the Arcade Mall. I hope you all enjoy. Just wanted to add in, I apologize for the audio quality on my part. I'm recording this through Zoom and haven't quite got the microphone working properly yet, um, but I will get better as I learn how to do this more. So anyway, without further ado, here is my conversation with Liz Kulachi. I'm really glad that you wanted to do this with me and be my first guest. Of course. And yay! Um, because I, I'm trying to remember when you and I met. I think it was in the, I don't know, early 2000s. Is that right? Like, I think what, it was in the early 2000s. Early 2000s. And so what I wanted to talk to you specifically is because I feel like I hadn't met an artist in, in this area until I met you, you know, and I felt like you were really living, kind of like living your purpose and like, you know, kind of like following, following what you were like meant to do. And so I met you in the... It was the old LAA where, warehouse 
space. Yeah. I don't know if you'd ex- like describe it that way. Um, it, Yale and Town Lock Factory. The old, yes. It was a warehousey space. Yeah. Yes. In Stanford. Very industrial. Very raw. And there were like 50 artists there that were part of a community. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. The loft artists. Um, and, you know, they started very small in like, I want to say the 70s. Um, and just getting studio spaces in this old factory warehouse and some even converted it to like live work. Um, but mostly it was light industrial and people just got studios there. So it was workspaces. And yeah, before long, there was probably about 50 uh, artists on a couple of the floors of this building. Right. And so that, that's when I remember meeting you for the first time. And I remember seeing like what an artist studio looked like and like someone who, you know, like I really resonated with you and your personality and your work. And like, that's kind of how, I don't know. I just like realized that that was even possible in this area, you know, outside of being yeah. someone who lives, lives and works in New York city. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess I wanted to know, like, if we, if it's okay for you to like, kind of go back in time, how mm-hmm. did you even get into art in the first place? Like, like, in, like, was it like in your childhood or like, like if we're going like way back, where did, okay. all, where did all of this start for you? It was in my childhood. I was very young. Um, and I just, knew I wanted to be an artist. You know, I said, I want to be an artist when I grow up and I'm like four years old. Um, really? You said that at four? I think it was about four, like my earliest re- remembrance. That's amazing. Um, and, and then I remember like in grade school, there was, I don't know, maybe a drawing assignment, something like that. And I remember, you remember those pencil sharpeners that had like the little wheelie thing? Absolutely. So I drew one of those pencil sharpeners, but I like anthropomorphized it or made it into a little animal like this. And it had a tail and the eyes and the face, and it was just a pencil sharpener. But I did that. And one of my teachers was like, my teacher was like, this is so great. Can you go run downstairs to this other teacher and show them? Like she wanted to send me to another floor, another classroom to show this other teacher. And I was like, wow, this must be good. (laughs) So I went, I brought it down to the teacher to show and that it just, you know, lingers in my mind that little by little, like teachers were recognizing what I was doing with drawing or recognizing an artistic talent. Um, so I really, you know, liked it. And then they would tell like my parents and my mom put me in classes after school, art classes where I would sit and paint. Um, I did those for years and and, you know, other drawings come to mind. Like there was this one time I remember drawing a cat. Um, well, actually, first I drew a bird cage and a bird in the cage. And then I drew this like orange cat, like trying to get the bird. And then even further, I was like, I'm going to have a human like reaching the cat. And it was wearing a watch because the hand like overlapped the outline of the cat. So I was like, oh, I got to cover that up. So just different <laughs> ideas wow. of like tangencies and composition and layering and even thoughts of like a whole storytelling story or a narrative. Yeah. We're going into that at a very young age. So was there anybody in your family that did art in any way that like somebody that you like, cause I mean, you must've, I mean, maybe, maybe drawing was just like a pastime or, you know, something that you just like did in your, your bedroom or something, but like, did you see it in somebody in your family or anything like that? My dad would doodle a lot on his blotter. Oh, that's interesting. And, yeah. And I remember once we were at this horse race and I said, dad, I want to draw the horse. And he was like, okay. So I started drawing and he was like, well, no, like, look at the jaw. It's kind of square. He like showed me and gave me some instruction. I was like, oh, that's really good. So went and did that. So my dad, um, and my sister is very good at like fonts and lettering. So there's a stream of like knowing how to use your hands and, and, uh, make shapes and forms happen. Wow. Okay. So, okay. So four years old. That's, that's pretty incredible. It's funny because um, my mom had sent me a drawing that I made when I was eight years old that said, when I grow up, I want to be an artist. Nice. And so I would, for me, that was like finding that recently was like unearthing this piece of my history that I was just like, wow, it, it, it feels good to like know something like that at a really young age, totally. you know, totally. and you kind of feel like validated in like the, your choices in life. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, okay. So you obviously knew when you were really young, that's so cool. And then your, and your parents were really supportive to, um, to like, for you to go down that road as you like got older and and things like that. 
Yeah, well, definitely with the after school classes, um, which kind of instilled in me this discipline to sit down and paint. Not at first. I sort of was a little rebellious with it at first, but then little by little, I guess it gets ingrained in you. Like, this is what you do. You practice. Um, and then I remember in high school, I would, in art class, I would sit and paint and, but it, like, it was already instilled in me. Like, this is the discipline. Like you, you go to this class, you paint. So when I was painting in that class in watercolor, my art teacher there was fantastic, Miss Monaco. And she encouraged me to apply to RISD. She was like, Liz, I think you can get into RISD. And at that time, you, who knew about art schools? It's not like we had the internet. Right. You just, maybe you had, had like a pamphlet or like a book. Isn't um, that amazing to just like stop and pause for a second and say that we grew up without the internet for so yeah. long? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Did yeah. you, did you do, um, it was like Oregon Trail. Do you remember that computer game, Oregon Trail? No. Oh, okay. It was like the first computer related activity that I remember doing. It was like in kindergarten and it was still before the internet, but it was like wow. my first experience with computers. So I feel like I, for me personally, I got like comfortable with that at a really young age. And then, so when I went into high school, I started learning like Photoshop and layout for like our school newspaper. Oh, that's you know, amazing. So for me, I got into design because of like those opportunities, <laughs> like those like little opportunities to like write an article and then like lay it out in the newspaper format for school. <laughs> Photoshop was so helpful. I'm glad I learned that um, at RISD and then, you know, continue to teach myself because what a helpful tool. I mean, you have gone all the way with that stuff and the digital well, stuff, which is amazing, but you, you start somewhere. Well, and it's interesting because, okay, so if you think about going into art, in college, like, okay, so you go to college because you, you feel like, okay, you're going to go there, you're going to study something that's going to hopefully give you a job or that you're going to create a job at the end of it, right? So mm -hmm, for me, mm -hmm. it, art translated to graphic design because I always had my dad's voice in my head saying, you need to have health insurance, you need to have a 401k, you need to have like a steady course of like work, right? Yes. And so he really instilled in my head, like, it needs to be like a business, you know, and it needs mm -hmm. to be like, um, you know, it needs to be a steady direction, like advertising, it's time, advertising or, or graphic design. And so for me, I was just like, okay, that's, you know, it's, I'm still doing art, but that's like my path, because that's the path that makes money. Did you ever think about, about, you know, like, was that ever a worry for you? Like the whole like starving artist myth and all, all that stuff that comes along with it? Yeah. And, um, like the first year at RISD is boot camp. So you're drawing for eight hours a day, you know, you're doing three dimensional design eight hours a day or 2d you, it's, it's intense, but it's, everyone does the same thing. And then by their second year, you have to choose your discipline. And I was really being told graphic design, graphic design as well. Like that's, wow, that's so right? funny. Yeah. And then kind of in my heart, it was, well, I was mixed. Um, painting, I was always interested in. I mean, I had so many interests, photography, printmaking, painting. So were you doing them um, all? Were you somebody that was like, you had a hand in, in doing like multi-passionate multi stuff? I was. I yeah. mean, at RISD, I took darkroom photography. I was in the printmaking studio a lot, doing a taglio, doing screen printing, doing um, bookmaking, all types. And... Um, I also, I majored in illustration and to me, that was the compromise between painting and graphic design. I wanted to keep my hand in it. I wanted to, I didn't want to go totally abstract and you don't want to get stuck behind a computer all day long. I didn't want to get stuck behind a computer. I didn't as even well. think about that. I didn't even think about that. That was what my life was going to turn into. Hey, look, I'm it might've might been the smart move. But with illustration, what it really taught me was how to like compose a scene, like taking different elements from different places and creating something within a scene that works on many levels. So to this day, I use it in my screen printing. If I'm making a design, I can grab an element here, here, here and draw, get into the root of like drawing it and keeping it loose at first and then honing down. So all these things I realized like I am using now, um, and keeping my hand in it, painting outside, um, all those things. So th throughout it all, I, I was too young to really specialize, but I, I used learning about all the things to um, craft a career for myself. You know what this makes me think of too, is that a lot of people today think that they, 
don't need college, right? Like, because everything's out there on YouTube, right? Mm. It's, I mean, it's a totally different approach, but for me personally, I'm glad that I went to school because I did what you did too. I did figure drawing, I did black and white photography, I did a little bit of video editing, I did a lot of graphic design, but like it, it opened me up to a lot of different things um, that I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily, necessarily have like forced myself to try just like, no, I mean, right. I don't like, I don't like Google, you know, like go on YouTube and just like say black and white photography. Let me see what that's all about. But in school, no. you're kind of like forced down a curriculum. Yeah. I mean, we wouldn't know about these things. Right. Like there are professionals at schools, you know, educators teaching us things right. and they've got like so much knowledge and they're imparting it. Um, it's, it's a wonderful thing. I mean, so was there, was there one professor at school that like kind of, uh, really influenced like your decision to go down a certain road creatively? And the reason I asked that while you're thinking about it, the reason I asked that is because, so I went for graphic design, so print graphic design, mm -hmm. but there was one guy, uh, his name is Elliot Earls, who mm -hmm. is an illustrator, but he's also like a multimedia artist. He came in and he did one semester with us, teaching us um, all the programs that I'm using now. But it was like this one teacher that completely changed the course of my entire career. Wow. And so it's kind of amazing, like, because I didn't expect that to happen. I just was like, well, this guy's kind of cool. And he's, he kind of had this, like, really out there personality. And he was, like, really fun, really creative. And he was different than everyone else. And I just, like, really was attracted to that, um, like, his teaching style. And then he, he just, like, pretty much taught us how to move the layers in Photoshop in a way, you know, so it's like bringing your graphic design to life. And so I just like took that one class and I, and I just like went down a totally different road, you know, like That's, detoured. Amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I think there's little things I learned from each teacher that stuck with me. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, that's really interesting. Okay, so and and so now your main medium after going through all of that, your main medium is would you say painting or screen printing or kind of like a combination? But you're kind of doing a lot of different things right now. Painting and screen printing are my two major things, um, and then of course lately embroidery. I know. Well. I love that you got into that too. It's like kind of an interesting element to everything else you're doing. I know. I know. It's uh, it's different because it's really slow and steady and whereas painting sometimes you just get this urge and this burst and you just kind of attack it and work on the painting but then you need time to look at it rest just to get away and get an objective view and also with screen printing you know i'll be printing and then i have to go watch the screens there's there's a lot of like stuff within those mediums that are really fast like got to get the printing out because you don't want the ink to dry on the screen then you got to clean the screens um but with this textile work you, it's just constant. You're just sitting there. You can watch movies on Netflix and you just, so it is very relaxing. Like kind of meditative. Yeah. Wow. So it's a totally different way of working where a lot of the work in my past has been that other method. But um, it just, I, what I think it does is it instills a work ethic, like this consistent work ethic. So how, okay, so after you left college, how did you turn everything that you're doing now into a business? Because like for me, I left college and in, like I said, in my brain, I always had like my parents that were like, okay, now it's time to get a job. Like with the skills that you've learned in college, go and be a graphic designer somewhere. And so for me, that's what I ended up doing. But you totally took a different path and I'm jealous that you did. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, the path is really windy. Like when I was graduating RISD, I had a job at the Providence Art Club, um, which was this club in Providence. Um, at first I worked there as a waitress, but okay. before long there was a job opening for a gallery director of the Providence Art Club. And they had oh, galleries and two different galleries, beautiful with like a whole wall of windows. Oh my God. So I actually got the gig. And so after graduating from RISD, I stayed in Providence for another year I worked as the gallery director. Um, I held meetings with agendas. I don't and... think I knew this about you. That's so awesome. Yeah, it was great. Uh, you know, so what did that art... mean? Were you curating art shows? Well, it was more like they had had a membership for years. They had, you know, God, it must have been like 80 to 100 members. And they had a very um, like solid schedule of shows already. They would have, I mean, it would change up sometimes and maybe they do juried shows but everything was really like laid out so i followed 
their plan um, and just went along with it and tried to introduce new things. Um, but mostly it was just, okay, these members are showing, you know, they would do group shows, okay. sometimes a summer, yeah, a Christmas sh- holiday show. This, um, But it was, but you had a little bit of an opportunity to kind of infuse like your ideas into what they were doing and which probably made them even more, you know, just like with your, with your style and flair and what I know of you, we kind of brought some, some of your energy into it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was a really cool job to have. Um, I learned a lot. It was great interacting with the artists. I loved hanging. I would just freaking oh. hang those shows. There was even a hanging committee, but if they needed something to be hanged, I would just do it real quick. Um, wow, that's a, that's a major skill. I'm, I'm not very good at hanging. <laughs> okay. Do it by eye. Everything right, I, right. I, I can do, just... do it by eye, but I cannot yeah. do it mathematically. No, me neither. Okay, yeah. good. That makes me feel better. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so what happened after, after that gig? So that, so that was about a year doing that. And then um, one of my roommates, Andrea, was like, look, there's this opportunity for an internship out in New Mexico. Um, wow. Yeah. This, this artist couple are looking for two artists as interns out in New Mexico. And I was like, all right, let's check it out. So we went to an interview in Manhattan. They had an apartment in the middle of like Soho and they liked us and they offered us the gig to intern out in New Mexico. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. So we drove out there and there were like these special instructions. Like if it's raining, don't bring the car down the dirt road because it'll be completely mud. Of course it was raining when we showed up like thunderstorm. We're like in mud up to our knees. Um, but we, we went and we spent like four months in the summer in New Mexico, not in a town, but in like on a mesa with, you know, cacti and juniper trees. Oh my God. That sounds incredible. Pyramid being built on this other mesa. So they lived on one mesa and then the project, which was called Star Axis, was a pyramid um, star observatory. And we would document it with photography, video, drawing. We would build models. Um, and we also, we were the interns, so we'd cook meals. We'd go into town in the pickup truck and get supplies. We'd get the groceries. We did everything. Oh, okay. And so true, true interns. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. And um, they lived off solar panel. The place where they lived was solar panel and collected rainwater for the water that we used. So everything was sun and water. What and an we had amazing like, cabins. adventure of a lifetime to like do it something. It really like, was. To like just say yes and, and just go to a different city. Yeah. Wow. And so how, yeah. long did, how long did that last? That was about four months. Okay. And we like, okay. and then we continued traveling around. We would go to Santa Fe all the time. We drove across to California. We stayed in hostels and we just drove back to um, the East Coast where she went down to DC and I went to Connecticut. Incredible. Okay, so why Connecticut? Where? Why did you end up here? <laughs> well, <laughs> after at the an adventure time, like was, New Mexico, oh my yeah. God, it was really my dad. I had gotten a call from my family, and my father had suffered a heart attack. So I was like, I got, I got to get back. That's um, a reason to come home for sure. Yeah. So I was with my parents during that time, um, and. It was really, it was not easy coming back to Connecticut after being all across the country and, and at RISD and Providence and just having so much independence and loving life. And then to come back to a very conservative state um, was really difficult. And it took me a while to find my footings. And, um, you know, of course I wanted to do art and I did a lot, express myself, I think through photography at that time, but um, was always searching and had weird little jobs. And then, um, I think once I was at tower records working there, um, I started like pulling away from having an actual job, but doing things more myself. And around that time also is when I got a studio at the Stanford lofts, the LAA. Okay. So is that when your business paradox Inc was born? Was that kind of born out of that studio? It was born out of that studio. I said the, the year that I started Paradox Inc. was 2002. Wow. And Amazing. I, I remember selling t-shirts out of that studio for open studios. And that's when I felt like the, the business really got started. That's when Paradox Inc. really got started. When I was selling those t-shirts hot off the press, you know, like heat setting them right there, 
selling them to people who came by, visitors looking at artwork. Um, and I remember the first shirt I sold had 2002 on it because I put the dates on the shirts. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Do you still have any of those shirts? Of course. Yeah. I have cool. a huge collection. Just like your me like memories, it's like, a, yeah. like a photo album of, of old t-shirts. Yes. Um, so, um, okay, so you, and so you had kind of like owned all the equipment all, all, over all these years. Did you kind of build that up over time? How did that work? Built it up little by little over time. In fact, I, at first I was hand painting my screens. There's wow. this stuff called screen filler and I would put the, affix the image to the backside of the screen, trace it out and then paint everything that wasn't what I wanted to print. It was like a masking fluid. And then before long, I remember when I was, I lived at the house of love, um, was when I switched over to the photo emulsion method. Now what's the, what's the house of love? <laughs> no, I'm, just I'm just saying that I, this is an, this is, I have to sidebar and just say that that's another place that uh, Liz and I knew each other from. And okay. you know what? And I can pinpoint that in my timeline as another, as another like sanctuary for creativity in this very conservative area. It so, really, it yeah. really is. And it really was. Um, <clears throat> it was just what I needed at that time when going from a place like art school, which is so communal. And then, like you said, coming to a conservative place. Um, how did you find, how did you find this house of love? What it, so can you give me just like a little, what, like what your memory is of, of that place? Yeah, I was hanging out in like a green saloon and different clubs around Stamford, um, going to see punk shows. And, and there were, there were a couple cool, out. were a couple cool places around. There were, there were. And I remember one night going over to a Halloween party at the Boardlord space. They're a punk band from Stamford. And um, it's, it was in Porchester. So I was there at a party and then I remember driving in the car with the crew that we were with and someone said hey why don't we go over to the hippie house and I remember like I was I was like sleeping and I just like jerked up awake and I was like hippie house sounds great <laughs> what is a hippie house in Connecticut or well New York it's Portchester I just it's, the, it's like our neighbor so it's like and amongst the, the punk scene so they're like wait what is this um and it was the house of love so we and it was just right across the Byram River in Portchester so we drove over to the house of love and I was like what is this? And I remember like going up the spiral staircase and standing there and there was a band playing in the living room and there was this girl dancing wildly, like spinning around. All these people were dancing, but I just remember being like, hmm, I could dig this and I could live here. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. So I found out how much, you know, it was cheap rent. And before long, I kept meeting different people that lived there and they were all great. Um, like every single person that I met that was a roommate there was fantastic so so little by little I remember finding James and being like hey listen can I move in and he was like yeah like we worked it out so I got a room there at the house of love which was like a communal um home for artists and musicians in the area um it would switch a lot like we'd get a lot of different roommates but people were always musically inclined artistically inclined um you know puppet makers guitar players um visual artists, writers, everything, and, you know, dancers. And it was just, you know, you wake up in the morning, there's a porch overlooking the Byram River, and you hang out on the porch. We would make meals together, um, have parties. The whole thing was heated by a wood-burning stove, so you had to keep that running mm. all day, all night. I love it so much. Uh, and now I'm wondering, did I meet you there, or did I meet you at the loft? building well that's what i don't know it oh, might well, it was either there. or it was house of love it was the loft artist building or it was tower records i think no either one it of those. Was, for okay. me it was it, i i feel like i knew you at tower afterwards because um because my roommate brandon worked there yeah and, and adriana so we yes. had mutual friends but i met you before i met them Okay. So it was either the house of love or the loft at now. I'm glad, I'm glad we're talking about it. Cause it just kind of brings back all those memories. But again, for me, I felt the same way you did about Connecticut. I felt like, you know, it was conservative and really hard to find inspiration around here. And so I feel like personally, when I met you and when I met the people of the house of love that, that kept me here, like it or kept me sane here, you know, because yeah, for exactly. me, I had to, I, I had to be here for, for family purposes too, you know, family yeah. illness and all that kind of stuff. And, um, 
you know, and the only other alternative was to like drive down to Manhattan and I, I couldn't afford any of that. So, um, so yeah. yeah, no, I, I totally feel you and I hear you. I think for that real good portion of time, that was, it was just such a great place to be. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how the little things like that kind of just like influence so much of your life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and so with Paradox Inc., how did it go from, you know, the studio, like, you, I mean, you're like, you're completely supporting yourself off of that, right? Mm -hmm. So doing like murals, doing t-shirts. I mean, you do a variety of things like for Paradox Inc. Yes. Uh, so how did it grow? Um, well, it started with taking gigs like screen printing t-shirts for clients. Um, and then also I was apprenticing for muralists and... Um, that helped me and decorative painters. So that helped me go into homes and learn how to put up a mural in someone's home or do some decorative painting in a home. Um, and then I had met Zora at the house of love and Zora was a muralist, a fantastic muralist around the area who did so many great things. And I'm really happy to bring her, her name up here. Cause I, yeah. you know, I wasn't, I wasn't even thinking about mentioning her in this, but she's like a big part of my story and your story too. Somebody who is like an amazing true artist in every sense of the word, who was completely living off of her art as a mural artist, who also was a part of the community here in Stanford and really, you know, you know, getting public work you know, mm -hmm. and painting um, electrical boxes and painting murals. And I think for her, her business grew because it was all word of mouth, right? And she was like amazingly talented, but like, I think everything that she got was word of mouth. Is that kind of like what you've found has helped your business grow is just like, you do one project, somebody compliment, you know, sees it and then says, you know, Liz Scalacci did this. She could do something like that for you. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's all word of mouth. Yes, completely. Yeah. You do one thing, people recognize that, they tell someone else, or you just keep making good work. And then people see it and they want to hire you for something else. And so how, how have things changed um, after you left the House of Love and you went into Bridgeport? You got a much, you got a, a, a bigger studio all to yourself with a, with a window front. Yeah, well, you know, the funny thing is when I moved here, it was so different from the House of Love. You know, there's locks on the doors, there's security, like, um, and it was just me, one bedroom apartment. And I remember I was doing a lot of video editing when I got here. It was I something know I, that. I know it started at the house of love. I was like making these weird little videos. And then, um, wait, 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 wait. are you still doing any of those? No, Why no, not? that was just a phase, I guess. But <laughs> I would, I remember being in like the, this little office area, like editing videos. Um, and then that was just something to keep myself busy because it was very solitary here compared, mm. compared with such a community life at the House of Love. I get it. So um, I was here. I was painting the traffic signal control boxes in Stamford. I started painting them here in Bridgeport. And then in 2013, I got the storefront in the Arcade Mall next door, which the Arcade Mall is this big um, building with this huge glass atrium ceiling, a lot of great light comes in. And there was a program called Create Here Now, where they asked artists and entrepreneurs to grab a space and create in it. So, Very lucky that Bridgeport had something like that. Yeah, it was a big difference between Bridgeport and Stanford. Well, is there, aren't there similar things? Um, well, not exactly. At least not the, nothing that I know of. I mean, where you... They were, you were kind of like handed a studio, right? And, and like, yeah, it had free rent for several yeah. years. <laughs> yeah, I haven't come across that yet. <laughs> okay, but you know, eventually, like, as spaces got more popular, like, we have to start paying rent. So, well, that makes sense. So, did your yeah. business change at all when you got that space? Like, did you think about it differently? Did you offer different things? Like, because you had more space, like, did what changed? Well, for one thing, I started working in that space entirely. Like that's where I do my screen printing. That's where I do my painting. That's where I have meetings with clients. So it was more of a public space, which was great. Like it professional, you know, I got a windows decal and that was my public space. Um, it's funny now, like I had the front of the space set up as like a boutique with like the shirts I've printed and different things. Now I'm using that area as my painting studio. Mostly it's kind of like, because there's no public anymore. It's, oh, wow. Okay, yeah. so that's interesting, because I, I wanted to get into, obviously, 
you know, how things have, you know, I wanted to hear about your business in Bridgeport and then, yeah. you know, how things have changed with the um, COVID situation that we're all dealing with right yeah. now. Yeah, well, so Bridgeport, so th that's the thing. So I'm, I'm painting in the studio, I'm printmaking in the studio, and at the time I'm getting a lot of public art jobs. So it was from the traffic signal control boxes and then the train station mural, um, which was a big one. It was like 180 foot long mural with one really long midsection and then two curved walls in the front and back. And how do you, how do you get a job like that? Where does they, that come from? The city of Bridgeport put out a request for proposals um, and they teamed up with like other groups like the Bridgeport Arts and Cultural Council and the Connecticut Office of the Arts. And I applied. So I filled out all the information, you know, wrote the bio, um, I made a sample of what it looked like, an artistic, you know, drawing and basically like a little painting or rendering of it and submitted and then got that gig. Um, Very cool. And, in 2012 and painted that. I had like four assistants help out with that project and we went in there, painted it. And then I remember Hurricane Sandy happened at the end of painting that and we were flooded out for a weekend and then we went back in and like finished oh it up. Did you have to, did you get like a whole team to help you with that project? Yeah, I yeah. did. Cause that's, yeah. that's a huge project. Yeah. I had Ruben was my right hand man. Um, I had <laughs> Frank Foster Post and Jack oh, nice. Podlaski. And then I flew Darcy in from Chicago because we had painted a um, underwater scene in a, a business in Stamford and part of the mural was an underwater area. And I was like, Darcy, you gotta come help me with this section because I had this, all this other stuff to do. I was doing the test lighting arrows and the seasons. And the so Darcy came and really helped me out with that part. Oh my God. How do you balance all of these projects? Like, cause it sounds like you're busy all the time. Oh my God. Well, with this one, I remember I had really only designed that middle part. So while we're painting, I'm designing the front and the back parts. It was crazy. It was like, I'm managing people. I'm paying the people. I'm designing the front part at the same time that we're trying to execute the middle part. It was, it was a lot to balance and manage, but it, it worked out. It worked yeah, out. You have to be a certain type of person to be able to not only be the artistic vision behind it, but also like a producer and a manager of the entire project. Yeah. You got to wear a lot of hats. Well, it sounds like everything that you've told me, like from your background completely like plays into how you're able to do that kind of stuff now for yourself, you know, like nice. being the gallery director and, you know, all these other jobs that you've had. Nice. Um, so, geez. Okay. So where do we go from here? Um, well, I think after that one, um, it kind of led up to other, you know, smaller little public art jobs around Bridgeport. But then the big one was the Painted Stairway in 2017. Yes. Yeah. So and that was another one that you had to, you had applied for, right? Like, is that kind of how, how you think that most, most artists around here get jobs like that? They're um, kind of like, uh, what, what are they called? It's like, this um, was a grant application. So it grant was a, applications. Okay. a Reggie grant. So it was a regional arts initiative grant um, that I applied for for to uh, paint that stairway so are you just yeah. like on all of these lists that like send you stuff and you're constantly writing proposals all the time oh if it seems like a good fit I'll write a proposal because right. um, I know yeah. proposal writing in itself is like a whole job and then you may not even get the job right and you're, yeah. do you're doing all the vision like the thinking and the rendering before you're even getting paid yeah Right. I mean, I'm, I'm experiencing that for the first time ever. So I'm like, you know, I'm asking, this is, this is kind of how you get all these great public projects, right? You're just like proposal writing and all that stuff. Yeah, you do. Um, but like I said, if it's a good fit, because you don't want to waste your time. So you don't want to be like, Oh, I'll, I'll try to get this, even though, you know, you want to reach high. Mm -hmm. So you want to reach out to a lot of things. Um, but it, the best thing is when it's the right fit, when you read all the instructions, when you read the directions, when you do everything right in terms of like filling out the application, because it can so quickly just be thrown out. So you right. seriously got to pay attention. And I mean, you know this, Holly. I, don't I mean, I'm still learning. <laughs> and like, I, you know, and I'm still taking on projects that, you know, are not a good fit just to pay the bills too. So I'm like, 
you know, I'm doing, I'm, I'm still in my first year. Oh, I've just hit my one year of working for myself. April 1st was my one year anniversary. So uh, thanks. Um, but anyway, so I, I, that's kind of why I wanted to talk to you about all this stuff because you've been on this road, you, you know, Paradox Inc has been around for what, almost, I don't know, like almost 20 years now. 18 years, yeah. 18 years, it's amazing. Yeah. And so you're like really making it happen. So um, tell me about the, the Painted Staircase because I mean, that must have also launched you in like a totally different direction, right? Because you're doing these much like larger scale project. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's a high profile piece of public artwork that can be seen from so many different vantage points from very far away. Um, so a lot of people do see it. And so then they find out who did it. So I am called on to do more things because of that one piece. But, um, you know, it, like anything else, it started like kind of very loosely coming up with a design. And then as I was trying to figure out how to do it, um, I came up with a grid like, um, pattern and wanted you know, it to be able to be seen from afar in a like kind of a perfect way. So by the end, it was like locked in, like I knew exactly what every box color was going to be. And it really had like a central axis to build out from because of course, I wanted it to be seen from afar. Um, so that was one way to kind of root it or ground it. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, very colorful, bright, uh, some kind of image that went all the way from the top to bottom. I partnered with this group, Bridgeport Generation, now for it. And we all painted together in the summer. And it came together like this great community mural project that's on the stairs there. It's painted. Um, started with a primer, um, a really good primer, and then painted with really like durable, high-quality acrylics that are made for exterior murals. And then um, sealed it with a final varnish and then just this past summer, the city asked me to continue. There were more steps at the top, like 12 more steps that had been painted. They were just kind of separate. They're pretty far away. Um, but the city asked me to do those too. So we completed the project fully in 2019. I love it. And then that kind of becomes this like destination, this like symbol of, of Bridgeport where you live. It's like, yeah. you definitely like literally made your mark on that town. For sure. <laughs> oh yeah. God. And people come and they do dance videos and music videos in front of it and they go in to get their picture taken in front of it and post it on Instagram and use hashtags Broad Street Steps. I love that so much. So do you ever want to do something like that where it kind of takes you across the country and like do different murals in other cities? Is that ever part of your plan or, or are you, uh, do you really like working local? No, sure. Yeah, I would. Uh, I think from that, um, there was the, the tree wells in Stanford, which was another like kind of curious project like who sees that when they're walking on the sidewalk and the, you look I down do and I see it all the time and I'm like my friend did that nice. <laughs> uh yeah so we painted like 19 tree wells and there are these like really heavy metal things but I asked the like ambassadors of Stanford to pick them up and bring them into a studio in the old town hall to like lend us this studio for the summer for the project and we painted them um, like with this neighborhood community group, Future Five, and partnering with Stanford Downtown. And just, you know, now when people walk on that corridor, they're seeing something really surprising. These metal grates that surround the trees. I think even the trees are happier now I when they, so they get like a blast of light and color. And so who comes up with an idea like that? I mean, I wouldn't even think of creating tree grates. Like, do you ever propose these ideas to, to people or do they come to you and say, you know, like, how did, how did that come about? The DSSD of Stanford asked me, they wanted to do something between this certain area of Stanford. So I drove the area. I was like, oh, well, we could do this. We could do this. We could do this. And they were, a lot of the things they were saying was like, no, 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 okay. which I loved. It yes. was really refreshing going to a meeting where people were saying no. I was, it was oh, like, no. okay. And then someone was like, what about the tree wells? And I didn't even know what a tree well was. I wouldn't have known. No. And so I'm like, okay, let's go look at them. We looked at them. I was like, yes, th let's paint this. So the project was formulated organically through meetings with uh, the Stanford DSSD. Amazing. Oh my yeah. God. Okay. So let me ask you, what was one thing that they said no to that you wanted to do? Um, like uh, painting an underpass. Oh, wow. Okay. But, it's interesting. But I think it was like, under construction at the time, you know? Right. So, 
Yeah. And you know, what's interesting is I bet you, if you talk to them again about that in the future, when we're all out into the world again, I bet they would be interested in doing that because we've, we've definitely talked, I've had meetings about that, about doing projection under there or something like, which is probably too nice. expensive, like painting, no probably the, but you've already planted the seed saying like, this is something that we can do. Yeah. And you know, I know Stanford wants to bring more art here. So I think it's cool that you guys even talked about that. So don't no. let it go. You should definitely like bring it up again in, in the future. All right. <laughs> um, and so, okay. So, so God, that was, that was, uh, when did that project happen? End of last year? That was the summer of 2019. Summer of 2019. Yeah. And so what, what are you working on right now? Well, right now I'm in the studio painting. Um, I've got three paintings going on, three acrylic paintings. Um, and it's keeping me busy. Um, you know, it's kind of like my apocalyptic series. I hate to say it. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, I've been, I've, if it's what I've been seeing online, it's gorgeous. And it's like, well, you may have seen one of them because I posted it on your, when you said, what are you working on right now? Yes. So it's paintings of musicians with lyrics and it's lyrics that have like caught me like during this time as I'm working and just listening to the, my, you know, library of songs. And I've heard like certain lyrics that have just, got me in this time and I've like I remember jotting them down like paint a painting of this musician with these lyrics next to it actually it was inspired I went to Savannah Georgia recently and there I kept seeing everywhere these like signs to me it looked like signs in businesses and they had quotes on them and then like a simple drawing near it and it was this artist called Panhandle Slim who would take these great quotes and write them out and do a, a simple portrait and I was like, these are amazing. And they're everywhere, everywhere would have these very inspirational quotes. And I was like, this is so great. So when I was listening to the songs and I was listening to the lyrics, uh, I was like, I want to do my own version of like a panhandle slim. Oh my God. I want the, the paintings to be very like well rendered and um, realistic so that you could tell who it is immediately because I didn't want to write their name. I didn't want the artist's name. I just want the picture and the, the lyric. So that's what I'm doing right now. These three paintings, three different lyrics. And uh, can you tell me one of the lyrics that you're working on? Sure. Um, one is the Tom Waits. That's mm -hmm. the one that I showed on your page. And um, it's the earth died screaming while I lay dreaming, dreaming of you. Oh, amazing. Wow. That's cool. I, I love I love that, and that's such an such an amazing idea to to pay attention to what you're listening to and what resonates right now, and putting that in the work. Um, yes. And so, do you? So those those are pieces that you're creating just on your own to yes. to eventually sell. Is that kind of like what you're thinking? Yeah, I mean, right now it's just to paint them. I mean, it's just to paint them, like to get involved with the act of painting. Yeah. To uh, make work um, and then I'll put them out in the world and I would love to sell them. So that's yeah. the ultimate, you know, like the best case scenario goal. Um, sure. But we'll see what happens. Do you, um, do you take on commissions for paintings too? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. So every once in a while somebody sees what you make and they're like, can you make something like this for, for my yep. house or whatever? Okay. That's yeah. very cool. Yeah. In fact, I consider those practice um, but I realized that like everything is practice. Like, I don't know if we get to the final piece, you know, and then sometimes I like to work on, you know, you'll pick a surface and you'll be like, this is my final, but the reality is it's all a practice. Like that's why it's called a studio practice. I think I we're it. always just practicing. Do you ever feel like it's hard to start a new painting or do you, are you the type of person who's like, I don't know, you just like always just jump right into it. Or do you ever, no. like, do you ever have anything that holds you I back? Love, I love starting. Starting is the <laughs> wow. best. It's hard as finishing, to be honest. Like, Interesting. I feel yeah. like most people would say that it's hard to get started, like staring at a scary blank canvas, but that's not you. Interesting. Love to start. But the thing is, it's, it is hard to like sometimes get ideas or to know what you even want to paint. You got to go with the littlest seed. Who cares? Whatever it is. It doesn't even have to be a great idea. It just has to be an idea. And then, and just get going. 
um, whatever. It can be embarrassing. Just do it. Like, well, you can always paint over it if it doesn't work out. You can. So just get the little seed, get going. Like actually getting to the material is the best part. Um, but then sometimes it's either a little sad finishing a work. I get it. Like with the embroidery pieces, there's a part, they're just done. There's a part where you can't stitch anymore. And then I'm like, oh, that's over. I got to start a new one. Or with these paintings, you can go forever. I mean, it's like a fractal because as small as you get, there's always more detail or more things you could change or you're seeing mistakes or... So do you set yourself up where you start with like, you know, a little bit before you go into it or are you just acting in, I guess it depends on the project, but like, do you ever just act on intuition and just see what comes out of you? Like, how does that work with ideas? I do, but I, working that way with like, without a plan, it just doesn't hold my interest. I kind of need, I mean, I would love to do more of that, but I feel so you like always I, go in with like a little seed of something. Yeah. I'm not, I don't want to say always, but I think more than not. I think some of the, the work that I enjoy doing most, it has that, has a plan or a purpose or a practical. Like I, I definitely am driven by purpose um, more so than just, you know, starting. So I used to be really into that, just the spontaneous, instantaneous, like see where it takes you. But I, I've grown to be more practical and needing like a purpose and needing sort of like a plan. So give me an example of that. Like with one, with, with anything right, right now, how, how do you start? Where do you, where do you start thinking about the ideas? Like what's your uh, process? Well, even if it's abstract, like take me through like, I don't know. What is it like? Well, okay, say abstract, I would just start with putting color on a canvas, starting yeah. with light color, like uh, yellow, and then going, putting the next color that might blend well with that other color, and then putting your colors on top of it, and then... But being driven by purpose, you go into that with, I have a concept in mind, and I'm going to kind of flesh it out, or like, do you, do you doodle things first to get an idea of composition and then go into the painting? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's always preliminary sketches because you have to learn an image. You have to like, if you want to reproduce a part of something or you have to learn that image or you have to learn that a piece of that thing. So it's all about studying for me because these days I'm, I'm like looking a lot and trying to uh, study things from life. So in order to do that, you have to, like drawing is the best way to study in my opinion, like drawing and painting. And so you got to study it. You don't just go into something knowing what the thing looks like. Like right. you have to like check it out and like kind of trace it with your um, fingers and your pencils and your brushes. So. And it kind of like uncovers as you're working on something too, right? Like you're kind of like constantly changing it as you're working on it. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And like a lot of, of things are like scales like with these pieces, they're black and white. So there's like a range of color. Well, it's from black to white, but various grays, but it's almost like a, um, a scale, like maybe like music has scales. Mm -hmm. There's a scale of what things look like from light to dark. So right. it's, it's pretty wild. Um, you can just tell if you're, the color's off. Yeah. Do yeah. you, do you mostly, I, I have something interesting, like, do you mostly do the work for yourself? I mean, pr you probably do, but like, do you, do you also think about what like somebody might want from you? Like thinking about it as a business, right? You're, you're, you want to sell these paintings eventually. Do you ever think about like what the people who collect your work want or is it like a combination <laughs> or is it a combination of both? Yeah, I think it's, um, I think it's both because I think that, the better you make it for yourself, the more someone else would want it. Like, um, if I'm, if I don't believe it, how is anyone else going to believe it? Yeah, so I have to make agree. these things believable and really come to life. And then the, and also very harmonious. So if I'm creating that harmony and I see the harmony and that balance, I know others will too. I love that. Um, and so painting right now, has that kind of been your, like your way of like dealing with everything that's going on. Like I know for myself, just being productive has kept my mind active and happy. And if, if I spent all day 
just like watching the news, I would be totally miserable and not be able to do anything. Like yeah. is, is painting kind of like your, your sanctuary from everything that's going on? Yes, it totally is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I get into the zone. I go into there. I, I sometimes can't even go on social media because I don't want to look at the stories. They just can change your mood so quickly. So painting helps keep my mind focused and it's such a challenge that I'm like in there um, doing it, you know, trying to fix things and make things right and looking critically. And, and there's also something like really beautiful just about like spreading the paint is such like a luxurious medium. It's smooth and slippery and it's really nice to work with. I love it. Um, have things changed for your business now that people aren't going to the studio to, to purchase things and they're not asking you to come out and do public murals? Like how, how are you dealing with that and what's going on? Yeah, yeah. I have a screen printing job kind of left over from before that I'm working on slowly because I'm like, oh, I still, I have plenty of time and I, but I got to I'm in the same boat. yeah. And then um, I did sell a painting, um, so that helps out. Um, and then, you know, I'm just like, what do I want to do in this time? Like, this is really precious time. And I'd rather be painting than trying to apply for a loan or something. So I'm just being really like, I don't know, kind of just precious with my time where I, I want to be painting. I think it's my calling. I think it's what I should be doing. So... We can, you can definitely get the, lo the for forgivable loans that are put aside for people like us, though. You okay. Can, and it's, you can just do it online. I can even send you a link, and it's, like, very quick, and it could give you, you know, an extra $10,000 that you don't have to pay back. Like, that exists really? for, yes, that exists no for, for small business artists, especially, like, women-run businesses. Okay. I will send you links, because I'm trying to do the same thing. I'm trying to keep my business happening, but also think about that, because, you know, we don't know how long we're going to be in quarantine. And I don't know about you, but like my clients, like their needs have totally changed. So I'm not doing the same things anymore. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like I said, I don't know how long we're going to be kind of like stuck in this, you know, space where we have to, you know, you can even call like your mortgage companies and rent and like, you know, they can like defer payments and stuff right now. There's okay. a lot of like resources for small businesses. And I think it's, it's definitely worth looking into. <laughs> nice. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I guess I wanted to just kind of wrap up and say like, you know, do you think that artists have like a specific role at this time? You know, I think someone had posted that on like Instagram the other day and it made me think about it. Like, what is the role? Like, do we have, do we have a role to play right now that kind of like helps people get through this? Cause I know for me personally, if I didn't see art and music going on in my life right now, it would just make things a lot harder. So yeah, I think they do. And I think by showing what we do, what we produce, if it's a song, um, if it's a painting, if it's a video, it's going to help people. Like it's, you know, it's about bringing beauty into the world and um, we need that. People need to see that. Yeah. Are you, are you um, a part of any, any online shows or any, like, have you heard of anybody doing that kind of stuff? Like to stay connected I've just been digitally. Some of my stuff, like backlogs of stuff that I hadn't posted before. And That's I'm good. Post in the future, but just like you know, show stuff you've been working on. So yeah. I'm not a part of any formal shows, um, but we'll see. Yeah, have you heard of any other artists that are doing any kind of online stuff? Um, and I only ask that because I'm thinking, like, you know, this is something. It's something new, right? It's something that we've never really had to do before, but. But if we're here for months, like maybe we need to do something like that. Definitely. Yeah. You know, no, just to we stay connected. Do. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I guess it is time to like rethink the paradigm. Like what is <laughs> new, isolated. Uh, right. Yeah. But and I so, think yeah. the technology is great. I mean, just Zooming with people has been awesome. Um, so already we're adapting. Right. And I feel like for me personally, it's like, you know, why, why haven't you and I ever Zoomed before? I mean, I haven't done this with anybody, but it's like, you live in Bridgeport. I'm, I'm here. I only see you like when I go up there or when you come down here, but why are we not doing this all the time? You know, I have friends I who live know. in Chicago and California and this is like so easy to like hang out face to face and like talk and be a part of each other's lives more. 
because of this medium, right? So I feel like that's like a good thing that comes out of all of this is that we realize how easy this is to, to be connected and, and maybe that'll even open up more opportunities. Like with, with, you know, once we all get back to normal, like maybe, you know, just being in touch with people from all over will open up opportunities for murals in other cities and, you know, things like that. Absolutely. So I yes. think that some, some good can come out of this. Yes. Um, so I guess lastly, like, is there, is there anything, any advice that, that maybe you would give to somebody who maybe wants to start painting or, or doing public projects, like what you've been doing? Like, what do you, what do you tell people when they're like, they have no idea even like where to start, how to start any of that stuff? Well, I think like right now in this time, um, it's important to get a space even if it's part of your home that you turn into your studio. So have that designated space or area where you're creating and start simply with like maybe collage. You've got some magazines around or some books, cut them up, start making collages, even old t-shirts, cut up uh, fabric, stitch it together. Just something to keep your mind engaged in your hands making something. And, um, or if you've got the paints, the material paint, you know, whatever it is, whatever you want to paint, do it. And then um, in terms of doing public art or work like that, I would say go into your community because um, a lot of the ways that I got started in Bridgeport was working with community gardens and community gardeners and people who needed signage or mobile murals or signs. Um, so I would do work for them, but, or, with the library, like there was always like something that led to something else. Um, so just go into your community, see what the needs are. And then each town has like a business improvement district or a downtown special services district. And those organizations are really helpful for doing public art because they're all about bettering their cities and about helping small businesses. So get in touch, see what you can do you know, make some paintings, make your collages, show them to the, those organizations and then see what you can do on a larger scale around your city. That's great. That's, that's exactly, I mean, it's funny because it's like, you know, it's relevant, but not relevant right now to people who are just like sitting around and listening. Like, I guess, is there anything that people can do right now from their homes? I mean, I guess just get started with, uh, with your work at home and even kind of like start building your, um, your collection and, and things that you want to put out there now. Yeah. Are you, um, are you selling your work online right now? Like can people buy your paintings on your website? Um, I have a Saatchi page with paintings on that. I want to put more paintings onto that. I might do an Etsy page with smaller prints and things. Um, You've never done Etsy? I have done Etsy before. Oh, you have done, you're on yeah. Etsy now? Not right now. I don't have anything listed now. Okay. Yeah. All right, so how do people find your work? Tell us like how we can find your, your stuff. Well, you can see stuff on Instagram. Um, I'm at so paradoxical. It's S-E-W paradoxical. And you know, on Facebook, I'm Liz Squalachi. You can see a lot of stuff there. My website's Paradox Inc. And I'm also on Saatchi Art. So you can kind of Google Liz Squalachi, uh, Saatchi or art, and you'll find some stuff. That's cool. I, have you had any luck on that page? I haven't, I haven't even tried it yet. Is that, is that? I sold one print from That's one cool. of the paintings. Yeah. 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 Is, it a, and, is, it a, is it free to artists to use that? Yeah. But there, I mean, I guess the fees get, well, I think if when you, you sell, sell something, something, a percentage yeah. is, yeah. Okay. So there are like a lot of online resources right now. If people want to upload their stuff right now, just kind of put it up there. Yeah. And I think like Patreon is a good platform, which I haven't used, but I'd like to because you can kind of get your fans or your supporters to support you to like sign up to support you. And then whatever you create, you like release it and you get supported. Um, but like I said, I haven't done that, but it seems like now might be the right time because I mean, I don't know how easy or difficult it is to get the followers, but we need something right now because we do art and we put it out there and then we need the support. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny because that's something that Jeff has been trying to get me to do for a really long time. And, you know, I'm just thinking like, oh my God, I haven't, that's like another thing to try to do and like get people over there. But um, I think it's worth it. I've heard good things. I just personally don't know anybody who's, who's doing it yet, but I think, I think we should both try. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
All right, cool. Well, thanks for talking to me about all this stuff. I hope that uh, I didn't take up too much of your time. But oh, you're really welcome. Like, I loved it. It was wonderful. Yay! I appreciate you, like, you know, telling your whole story. I know it's kind of, like, tough, but, like, what a weird time to be talking about all these things. But I feel like, I, you know, it's so inspiring to hear, you know, people's journeys and, like, how they ended up doing what they're doing. And, and to also to really know that this is, like, your calling. I think that that's such a cool thing to talk about. And, um... Yeah, I'm really excited because I you've inspired me for so many years. So really happy that we get to talk about this stuff. Oh, thank you so much, Holly. You have too been such an inspiration. Hmm. All right, cool. Well, um, is there anything else you want to add that like maybe I didn't ask you or anything like that? Um just uh I guess um, you know, wanna tell everybody to eat their vegetables, get enough sleep, get your exercise and do some relaxation stuff, you know, get into your art practice and you know, wash your hands and don't touch your face. And as I'm touching my face right now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, be safe, be healthy. Um, and we'll get through this. I think that's great. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's interesting because there's a lot of stuff online right now too, that's talking about how it's okay not to be productive at this time. You know, mm. here you and I are talking about business and, and things like that. And that's, kind of what I wanted to talk about but it's also like you know make sure that you take time to balance you know the work with just like letting yourself relax and do nothing and I think that that's also where you rejuvenate and come up with more ideas too totally totally and and also the things that you know things like cleaning or um you know organizing things are a break from that more productive work as well so like I think everything in balance um although i mainly I'm diving into painting and forgetting about all the other stuff. Oh yeah. No, me too. My, my living room is completely destroyed and I don't really have any desire to clean. I'm like looking at all people's Instagrams that are like, my house is cleaner than ever. And I'm like, I'm not one of those people. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. All right. Well, I'm going to let you go because I've taken up like two hours of your time. Now. Oh, Holly, it was so great. It's so great to see you and talk to you. Yeah, you too. So let's like hang out and like, we should do this and have a drink sometime with Ruben too and Jeff. Totally. We'll do it in all the right. evening. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening. This podcast will probably continue to transform and shape and kind of find its voice throughout time, but I'm really enjoying doing this and I can't wait to talk to more artists and see how you are all doing at this time. I also wanted to ask everyone who's listening, how are you guys doing? I know that this isn't easy. I know that this is strange because we have no idea when this will end. You kind of feel like you're constantly in a nightmare or a movie scene, you know, it just doesn't feel real. I guess I'd also like to say that I want you to know that you're not alone, that we're all going through this together. It's the weirdest thing in the world. The fact that the entire world is experiencing this right now and that no one has ever gone through anything quite like this in our lifetime. I mean, you just don't even know what the right way is to feel. You just feel what you feel. For me personally, being as busy as possible helps me get through this time. Art has saved my life in so many different ways because art is endless. Creation is endless. Learning is endless. So I'm using this time to do as much as I possibly can within the limits of how I feel each day, of course. So you can expect a lot more from me. I'm doing weekly live streams on Wednesdays and Saturday nights if you follow me on Facebook. You can find that on facebook.com under Holly Danger. 8 p.m. Eastern Time. We've completely deconstructed our living room and have mounted projectors and we have a DJ booth set up and all sorts of crazy stuff. We've completely taken over the galleries now in my living room. And so we're doing these audio visual sets. We also get up and we just kind of chat with everybody who's joining us live. And then we do a very relaxed, chill, electronic, and you know, sometimes acoustic too, just kind of like whatever we're feeling that day, we do a very chill, relaxed set. And um, it's been super fun and it's definitely elevated my mood. So I totally suggest you join us. Eventually we'll be adding Instagram, possibly Twitch and YouTube to the mix. But for now, it's just going to be Facebook Live. If you're interested in joining, follow me on Facebook and Instagram under the name Holly Danger. Thanks again for listening. Hope you guys are all healthy and safe and well. And please keep in touch. I will talk to you all again soon.